0: This episode of The Outside Podcast is brought to you by The North Face, telling stories of women pushing the boundaries of exploration. Today, it's Hillary Nelson.
1: And I'm a ski mountaineer.
0: Hillary Nelson was not some sort of child prodigy. She didn't find her calling in the mountains until she was a teenager. But once she did, there was no looking back.
1: I don't know, it was just magic. It fit with my body type, it fit with my spirit, my mind, and... I think that was when I first knew, like, well, this is, like, somehow, I don't know how, but what I was meant to do.
0: It wasn't long before she was traveling all around the world on expeditions. To India, Kamchatka, Mongolia, and Myanmar. And while it's not easy to be a female badass mountaineer, it's even harder to be a female badass mountaineer with kids. The mountains keep calling.
1: So much so that when my first kid was 10 months old. Like I left and went to Pakistan for eight weeks and went on a you know, really aggressive trip. And not just as a team member, I was the team leader.
0: Being an expedition leader and raising kids are both about taking responsibility for other people's lives. The problem is Hillary wanted to raise kids who would do the things they were passionate about. She felt like she had to be that person.
1: I wanted to show that to my kids. So I <laughs> might have been a little aggressive and it, it was really hard. I don't know if I could do it again, to be honest. But um, I think they see it.
0: Find out more about epic adventures that can inspire everyday adventures at thenorthface.com slash shemovesmountains. It's part of the North Face's Move Mountains initiative, where they're telling the stories of women like Hillary, who's inspiring not just her own kids, but an entire generation of explorers. That's thenorthface.com slash shemovesmountains. From Outside Magazine and PRX, these are Dispatches, stories from our writers in the field. Imagine owning Yosemite. The whole thing. All of its mountains, its lakes, its waterfalls. Every last climbing crag and summit. All yours. What would you do with it? In the United States, we're a century late for that decision. But down in South America, Chile and Argentina have their own would-be Yosemites and Yellowstones, complete with their own snow-capped peaks, undammed rivers, and vast expanses of grasslands. Over the last two decades, Chris McDivitt Tompkins has been buying those areas up. She's owned entire mountain ranges and lakes spanning hundreds of square miles. Some people might be tempted to keep that paradise for themselves, to put up fences, and padlock the gates, and restrict access. But Chris, and her late husband Doug, gave it away. It was the largest private land donation ever.
2: American conservationist Christine Tompkins and Chile's president, Michelle Bachelet, pledged to grow Chile's national parks by 10 million acres. That's more than four times the size of Yellowstone National Park.
0: Before Chris became a contemporary Teddy Roosevelt, however, she was the CEO of the outdoor apparel company Patagonia. The company's first ceo she grew patagonia into the giant that it is today but then after 13 years as ceo she decided to walk away outside contributor stephanie joyce interviewed chris recently and she takes a story from here
2: chris tompkins didn't just walk away from her job at patagonia she walked away from her whole life Chris was 43 years old, recently divorced, and newly in love, although it didn't happen in exactly that order, as you'll hear. Her new love was Doug Tompkins, and when she left Patagonia, she was, in some sense, following his lead. The founder of the North Face and the clothing company Esprit, Doug had cashed out of his businesses and bought a farm in a remote valley in Chile. It was a place he'd spent a lot of time over the years, climbing and surfing with a group of adventurers that included Yvonne Chenard, Patagonia's founder. Two days after Chris quit her job, she was there on the farm with Doug, living a completely different life.
3: I retired on a Friday and two days later, Sunday, I packed up a couple bags and left. It was pretty, it wasn't spontaneous, but it wasn't a big dramatic move to Chile. It was, it was, uh, I don't know what to call it, actually. What was that
2: like? You know, you'd you'd upended your entire life, and then all of a sudden you were in the middle of nowhere in Patagonia.
3: Well, I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to go down there, is I wanted to have uh, what Today, I'd probably call a wildlife, and that certainly (laughs) was going to give it to me. And I wasn't wrong. It was 1993, so there's no internet. There are no phones. The only connection we had to the outside world in terms of communication was an HF radio. So we all had radio names, and mine was Picaflor, which means hummingbird, because I'm so bossy and so intrusive and... You know, running around, making sure things are... <sighs> so they thought Hummingbird was a really good name for me. So everything was by boat up a fjord or going in and out of planes. And, of course, Doug was a bush pilot. So we were moving around almost daily in, in planes of some sort. <laughs> it was pretty... pretty It was a big change. Uh, we had only wood fires as ovens, so... I made our bread, which I'd never made before, and it was either it would either come out raw or like charcoal. There was no middle ground. Uh, just about everything was extreme and certainly 180 degrees different than the way uh, I'd lived before that.
2: It sounds like that's what you wanted, though, in the moment.
3: It is. Listen, I'll tell you one thing for sure even for love you wouldn't you wouldn't do some of the things that we did <laughs> you have you have to want that kind of a life and i never suffered and i and i certainly no victim but you have to there's something that is kind of indescribable in you that says this is the intensity with which i'd like to live my life
2: and up until that point you didn't feel like you had been living your life with that intensity
3: yeah it's very hard to describe it, but there is something in my little personality, and, and I think I recognize it even when I was relatively young, that I wanted a, a big life. It didn't mean, it wasn't associated with wealth, it wasn't associated with fame necessarily, but I wanted a big life, whatever that ended up meaning. And in a way, that's part of what must drive me. I like it when it's difficult and it's, and you have to figure things out that are complex and and uh, go up against people who really are not in agreement with you and so on. I seem to thrive on that atmospheric condition. <laughs> I mean. I- Obviously,
2: the people around you for for much of your life, you know, thrived on a very different kind of, you know, challenge and adventure.
3: Exactly. That's exactly right.
2: At Patagonia, Chris had worked with world-class climbers and mountaineers, but it was never her thing. She had ski raced in college and climbed recreationally, but she met Yvonne, Patagonia's founder, by happenstance.
3: He rented a beach house next to our family beach houses. And I hated school. I was in the local high school, which didn't really interest me so much. And so I was just hanging out, kind of slipped into this world quite innocently and never left.
2: I read a quote from from Rick Ridgeway saying that the company really was founded not just by Yvonne, but was co-founded by you and Yvonne, that it really wouldn't be, you know, the powerhouse that it is today without you. Do you think of yourself as the co-founder?
3: Hmm. I think of myself as the bricklayer. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. Ask Yvonne what he thinks. I'll go with whatever he thinks, but... But really, there would be no Patagonia without Yvonne.
2: Obviously, Yvonne is very famous for his, uh, you know, let's call it a hands-off management style, you know, leaving on grand adventures and not being in the office for months at a time. And
3: Yeah, well, I was the one in the office. <laughs> <laughs> he would tell you that. <laughs>
2: So you didn't you didn't ever join in those kinds of of adventures?
3: No, no. He and Doug and others would take off for you know about five months a year, more or less. And I remember, I don't think I, other than work trips, which we were doing a lot in the Patagonia era, I remember being someplace. And somebody said, hey, Chris, you should go to Nepal with us next, you know, next season. And phone turned and said, oh, she'll never go. She likes to work. And it really, I thought, god damn.
2: It's true. And did you feel like you were being left behind? Or was where you were where you wanted to be?
3: I don't think I've ever felt left behind in my life. I think... You have to really love what you're doing to work at that pace. You have to really love what you're doing. Otherwise, you would never get out of bed in the morning, because it's hard work. Chris took a work trip to Chile shortly after
2: Doug moved there. She and Doug had known each other for years, but that trip changed their relationship.
3: Yeah, it was a collision, that's for sure. We were down in Calafate. This was 1990, I think. I can't remember, but 91. And Yvonne and I were down there. We'd taken some people down. But anyway, we're finishing up that trip, and we're having dinner in this Funky Monkey restaurant in Calafate, and in walks Doug Tompkins, and sat down in a chair next to me, and it was that was kind of it it was more complicated because i was had other relationships or a relationship that i needed to be respectful of and so on and so forth as usually happens but it was really clear that i don't know it's really true you you can know that that's the person you're supposed to be with may not happen instantly but in a collection of minutes,
2: I know you know that Yvonne, for example, has has commented before that he didn't think that the relationship was going to work out uh, when you, when you first moved down there. Uh, were you ever
3: worried about that? None of our friends who knew both of us well thought that this this was like pour, pouring gas on a fire, is what most people called us together. But it was. I think we saw something in one another that went so far beyond love, and we just knocked the marriage ball out of the park. So it's not that Yvonne was wrong, (laughs) I mean I knew why he was worried, but in fact it turned out to be a marriage for the ages.
2: When Chris moved down to Chile, there was no grand plan for developing national parks. Doug was just starting to think about how to conserve the area around the farm, called Pumalin. Neither of them had any idea they would eventually end up purchasing and donating millions of acres. I know when you started this work down in Chile and Argentina, there's a lot of skepticism and a lot of hostility. Oh, yeah.
3: I some wild things said about us.
2: Yeah, people said you were CIA agents. Oh, yeah,
3: so. taking the cows out and putting on American bison, things like that. At the time, it was tough because we didn't really, or I didn't really understand that almost all national parks of scale created terrible confrontations. Grand Teton National Park, you name it. So I didn't have that context in those days, and, and it was kind of, unsettling I'm not used to people disliking me I mean they don't have to really like me but they don't have to actively dislike me so that took some getting used to and yeah you don't want to be seen in the press every day as someone who's suspect and starting a cult and all the other things that were said
2: did you ever doubt your vision during that time
3: Oh, gosh. I don't know that I would have even called it a vision. I mean, we were just on Pumaline Park in those days. So I would say no. I want, I was struggling with the, with the um, controversy, but I never doubted us and that it would one day look like the very thing that it has hence become. So I didn't doubt I, didn't, I, I wasn't ever ready to turn my back on it, like turn and run. No. No.
2: It helped that throughout it all, she and Doug could rely on each other until a kayaking accident in 2015.
0: details on the accident that killed the founder of an iconic Bay Area brand. Doug Tompkins co-founded the North Face and
3: Esprit.
0: Tompkins was out with a group of people in Patagonia when six of the paddlers capsized. Rescue crews pulled Tompkins out of the water, but he died of hypothermia at the hospital.
3: He made me at least one card a day, sometimes two. We could have been sitting across the desk from each other, and he would send me one anyway. I have thousands of them. Photographs, letters, he left me lots of things like that. We had a, I won't say we were obsessed with one another because that sounds rather pejorative, but we were completely, that was enough. Just the two of us together was enough.
2: How has your life changed since his death?
3: Well, I, I suppose since the day of the accident, my, I, I have two parallel lives. One is my work life, which has turned up the heat immensely and probably some of the best work of my lifetime and certainly the most intense time of my life. And then personally... You know, losing Doug was an amputation. It wasn't, it's not just losing love in a certain kind of way. It's losing your daily life. We did everything together, our work, everything. And we talked about that. We knew it was kind of risky. You put all your eggs, all your feathers, all your bones, everything you have into one basket. So if you lose it, you're buggered. So when he died, it wasn't just missing the person you love. It was a tectonic shift. And but uh, almost killed me. I think that deciding, and it wasn't really a decision, just to go for it then and go for broke, And everything we've been doing is probably what kept me on the straight and narrow. But there was no turning back for me once he died. (laughs) Changed my life forever. (laughs) He changed my life forever. And then when he left, he changed my life forever.
2: Earlier this year, Chris got to see their shared dream come true. Through a combination of government land and land owned by the Tompkins, Chilean President Michelle Bachelet created a network of parks
3: spanning much of the country's south. 10.3 million acres in one hit. I just, I'm very, I'm still kind of, I don't know how to describe it. I'm very pleased deeply, deeply, deeply pleased. I don't think even today I could say it's really sunk in. When she signed, she came to Patagonia Park. She and the ministers most deeply involved in this, and she signed seven of the eight decrees, and then Pumaline Park, which is exactly where this story begins, was signed, and it's done. It's and then they named it, they included his name in the name of the park, which was not our idea. That's something they wanted to do, so Pumeline Douglas Tompkins National Park is born, and that's it, we're able to do it.
2: <laughs> was it at all bittersweet because Doug wasn't there to see it happen?
3: Oh yeah, I mean, not to have Doug there was like a deep irony for me. <laughs> and but you know we had so many friends there and people who've really stood by us over the last 26 years and family members our grandchildren were there and i don't know it was a deeply emotional i don't i don't feel Uh, Yes, it was bittersweet that Doug's not here for these things. But mostly, I felt like this is a miracle.
2: (laughs) Chris is the first to say that she's led a generally miraculous life. All her big gambles on love, on life, on big
3: ideas have paid off. But she's not done yet. After the 10.3 million acres, I mean, it's unbelievable how many people say, "Well, uh, I guess that's it." And and I, you know, my response to that is, "No, we got up the next day, and we have had, we've been having planning meetings, and what are we going to do next?" I don't see another life I want. If I wanted it, I could go get it. But I. I love this life and I'm going to do this until I either go gaga or I drop dead (laughs) it's true
0: Chris Tompkins in conversation with Stephanie Joyce this piece was produced by Stephanie, edited by me Peter frick it was brought to you by the North Face, helping empower and inspire the next generation of female explorers. More at thenorthface.com she moves mountains. We'll be back next week.